Welcome to the Refuge Podcast. This podcast was launched from the idea to encourage college students on their walk to class, drive to work, or maybe just the mundane task of folding laundry in the basement of your dorm. Our passion and purpose is to equip and encourage you right where you are to be a disciple that makes disciples on your campus. We're invested in college students, whether you're 18 to 25, taking a gap year, maybe a fifth year senior, or attending school virtually, this is for you. Or hey, maybe you're just tuning in because you want to be a disciple that makes disciples, and we're quite okay with that too. Thanks for spending the next 15 minutes with us. Enjoy the conversation. I am not a big golfer. I don't play golf a lot, maybe once a year, if that. Um, If I play twice a year, then something's happening. Uh, and I feel like I'm becoming a golfer, and then I quickly realized that should not happen. Uh, but I was recently in a golf tournament, which is even more odd. Uh, it was a fundraiser for a friend of ours here. He was putting on an event. There are sponsors today around the corner ministries, Todd, <laughs> Sheila, Allenwine. Uh No, we don't have any sponsors, but uh, great people, great ministry. If you want to look it up, go for it. But So we're doing a golf tournament, and I was invited by another friend of ours, Tim Lenning, who we should have the Lennings on. Oh, soon. totally. They're so much fun and awesome. Uh, and so Tim was like, hey, we need a four-person team, but I need two more people. Can you play? And I was like, why are you asking me? Like, I'm the worst golfer in the world. Uh, collegiate athlete, mind you. Like, I was... Oh, right. Right. right baseball yeah. in college, sure Caitlin. Last chance you. So I played in college, but terrible at golf, and it's frustrating. So we go... I did the whole thing where I go to a driving range the day before the golf tournament. And this may, if, if there are people listening and you're an avid golfer or you play golf a good bit, um, this is probably a normal thing to say, but I hit like a champ on the driving range. Like I was with our friend Josiah, who we just put a podcast out with last week. And Josiah's great at golf. I would consider him great. And I hit great off the driving range. I mean, I felt good. I left there just going, okay, yeah, I can do this. This is going to be fun. I'm going to have a fun day on the golf course. Well, that's just not how golf works. Apparently it's a cruel, cruel sport. And we get out there, beautiful day to play. And I am just garbage, just absolute garbage. More, I was already expecting garbage because I'm not good, but I was expecting a good hit here and there, yep. you know, let's talk about your outfit and your shoes that, uh, <laughs> why is that relevant? <laughs> you wanted me to wear a full on button up out there and no one does that. So granted, I didn't have anything else that made me even look like a golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was the point. I was that getting. was the problem. Yeah. So I wore my most golfy like outfit. Is that, sure. is that words? No. Uh, mm-hmm. Thankfully, Jesus had an extra pair of shoes, golfing shoes that I could use so that I looked cool at least on my feet, although they were Adidas and I wore Nike shoe, Nike socks, expecting him to give me Nike shoes. Anyway, whole fiasco. So from the moment I walked out there, not great, but uh, I at least expected to hit one or two pretty good hits. Uh, no, driving, I was a complete nightmare. Um, if I don't drive well, I definitely can't hit an iron off of the fairway. I wasn't in the fairway, so it didn't matter. Uh, anyway, it was atrocious. We played 18 holes, and I can honestly say I think I maybe hit one good shot off the tee. Uh, and that was just out of frustration where I just swung as hard as I could and I got lucky. So how competitive are you? Very. Uh, I'm very competitive. And 
Uh, I putted well. I sunk a few putts, okay, and gave a real big fist pump for that because mm-hmm. that's all I had. Mm-hmm. But being as competitive as I am, I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, I'm not playing good today. I'll just have fun instead and, you know, fellowship with the guys. I, I can't. I can't do that. Like, I can't bring myself to just let go of the fact that I'm terrible and I'm embarrassing myself. Bad mood, huh? Yeah, yeah. So here here was the breaking point as we're as we're five minutes into the podcast. Here was the breaking point for me. I got up to the tee, and I, I don't know. It was like our 12th you know, hole or something. I don't know. We're well into the day. I'm, I'm pretty much had it, losing interest. And I hit one uh, really bad into the woods or something. I don't know. I didn't hit any houses. That's good. But I hit one into the woods or something. Not even going to go look for it. I'm walking off the tee box just mad. Like I could throw the golf club. I'm just so mad. <laughs> and Jesus is walking up to hit. And as we pass, he goes, man, they didn't even watch you. And he was talking about Tim and Kevin, who are our, our, we were a team. So these were my teammates that weren't even watching me hit off the tee. Uh, now, granted, if I were them, I probably wouldn't watch either. The ball's going to end up in the woods, in the lake, not on the fairway. They had places to go. They were, bu- they were doing their own thing. So, but in that moment, I'm like, wow, I'm so terrible at this sport that my own teammates aren't even watching. They're not even expecting me to hit, get, to get a good hit. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, and in that moment, again, I'm not blaming them, so this is not on them. Tim and Kevin, they listen. I love you guys. I had so much fun. Let's do it again. Uh, but in that moment, for me, I knew that I, like, I'm going, what's the point? Why am I even out here if I'm not, I'm so bad that I'm not even engaging my own teammates to even watch what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so that was a rough day. I wanted to go play immediately afterwards because I felt like I'm better than that, which I'm probably not, but I felt like I was. But... The question, and that has all kind of played out in my head because it's happened literally just this past weekend, but the question has been twirling in my head of what are we doing as followers of Jesus to engage and be compelling to a lost world? And we have to figure out in our disciple-making, because that's what we're all about, Refuge Retreat, we're all about talking about making disciples, we have to figure out in our disciple-making efforts how to be compelling and to to grab the attention of those around us. So how, what do you think, Caitlin? Like, what are some ways that you've experienced that or maybe you have uh, dealt with being compelling or grabbing the attention of those around you? I think it's a good thing to think about because we obviously want to captivate people with the story of Jesus and who he is and what he's done in our lives is is our story to share so that they can see and know and learn about how he can work in their lives as well. And so I think for me, um, I tend to really see Jesus in people through, um, just different personalities. Like I, I know people I've met specifically and like he, like the Holy spirit is just oozing out of people by the way they interact, how much joy that they have, Um, maybe the lightness that they just seem to walk around with without this burden. Um, They don't fear the future. You know, those qualities and character traits of people um, really stand out. And um, they're immediately, like, they're noticeable pretty quickly about a person. So for me, I can just, like, think of certain people in my head right now even um, that they just, they're captivating because of their personality, and it really exemplifies Jesus to me, and it, it speaks really loudly of him. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. We all, I think in the topic, we can all think of those people in our lives. Mm-hmm. Like we can all, they come to mind, 
you know, man, and even when we're around them, sometimes we go, gosh, I wish I kind of had that, you know, that vibe about me where I was just a little more engaging or like a little more, I don't know, like you grab people's attention really quickly. And uh, I think that regard, it, I think we can look past personality. Yeah. Like it, that's not what we're talking about. We're not saying change your personality, become someone different. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is we've talked about your circle of influence and your circle of influence is not about just having one. It's about impacting it. It's about helping them change and become more like Jesus. And so if that's the case, then how can we be an impact in our circle of influence without changing who we really are? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you think we can do that? Yeah. I think in order to captivate other people, um, with the whole idea and concept of Jesus and who he is and how he's changed our lives, he's, he has to captivate our own lives first. Right. So I think, um, I'd be curious to hear like how, so like what is captivating to you about God? And like maybe even initially, like what captivated you about him, whether it was when you were a little boy, when you accepted him, or maybe like during different like circumstances in your life, like what captivated you about him? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was seven years old sitting in my dad's beat up Mazda truck. And I, we had that day, there were a lot of people that walked down the aisle to go, um, to go accept Jesus. And I was curious as to why they were doing that. And my dad, after church, I asked him why he explained to me. And, you know, I don't remember a ton about that moment. I remember him laying it out just real foundational. Here's who Jesus, you know, was at that time. He came to earth. Here's what Christmas is all about, you know, very quickly. And then it was, he was a man. He came as a man. He died for our sins. We're all sinful. Um, we've all fallen short, but, Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you can have life. He did that for you. He didn't stay dead. He came alive and he's alive today. And I remember the foundation of the gospel in that moment was very logical to me. It just all seemed, and again, like my dad being a pastor and laying it out for me was very helpful. But I just remember as a seven-year-old boy, it was the logic of the gospel that really captivated me, mm-hmm. if that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It was the moment where I go, okay. Why would someone hear all that, receive that, like believe in it, and then not? How could you not, you yeah. like, you know, understand the logic of it? And that's yeah. why you were created. Yeah. Uh, and I remember that being the thing. Now, as a seven-year-old boy, there's a lot to learn from there, you know. And there's a lot that I screwed up. There's a lot that I forgot. There's a lot that I needed to continue learning and growing in. But I remember the logic of the gospel is what captivated mm-hmm. me. Um, and I think for us and our disciple making we have to understand that we have the greatest story ever told, ever. There's no other, and, and I like how uh, Henry Nouwen says it, it's not the greatest story ever told, it's the only story ever told. And we're living it. We're literally living out the story that God is, is forming. And we have to understand and learn, and again, practice how we can be captivating to others with the story that we've been given. What was the thing about the gospel that captivated you? Um, I really just think back to a moment in college, and um, I've shared this before, I'm sure, but one of my very best friends was just discipling me and um, just teaching me so much about the gospel that was coming in just a new light to me in in a way that I had never experienced in my life before. Um, But I was definitely just captivated by His grace and um, just how much He loved me and freely extended that grace. And um, it, it just made me realize, like, that I was loved fully. And, um, yeah, it, it was, 
I mean, I know that's a huge topic, but uh-huh. it was his grace. And so um, I think it's interesting when we talk about what captivated us initially by the gospel. Like those are things that I think we can use. Like for me, it was like God's grace. And so like it for me, it's kind of like I think about extending God's grace to other people. Like when I'm walking in those friendships and those relationships and what does that practically look like? And then for you, like if it was the logic of the gospel to you, then I think that that is going to play a huge role in how you're sharing the gospel to other people and like how logical it is. And, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's cool to talk about that just because I think that's a a way that we tend to probably want to share the gospel with other people too. Right. Well, and something you said, we have to learn how to, again, adapt to the people around us and learn those around us. Uh, a funny thing about you were just saying God's grace, but like the other day, so we have three daughters. Our oldest is Maylee and she's six and she was sitting on the couch and I said something, the word grace was said, her middle name is grace. And so the word grace came up and she was like, what even is grace? Or she even asked, she asked about it and I was like, okay, here's the moment. Here's the father daughter moment where I get to, you know, uh, witness to my, my child and she accepts Jesus. Here it is. And so I'm like laying it out there in a six year old terms of what grace is. And I give her a good example about how, you know, grace is, um, is getting things that you don't deserve. And so I, I explained that. And of course I probably used like a slushy or, you know, some kind mm-hmm. of candy for an example. And, you know, she's sitting there and I'm just explaining it, laying it out there. And I'm like, so that's, that's what grace is. And I waited and I looked and she goes, oh, what? Uh, sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> and it was like, what in the world? All that that beautiful moment and everything that I said was like completely thrown out the window. Oh but, uh, you know, it's funny because she's six. And so we had to, you know, for me as a, as a dad, I'm, I'm trying to get on the six-year-old level and explain to her what the grace of Jesus is, <laughs> you know, to help a six-year-old understand. Uh, but with that, like, we have people around us all the time. And sometimes you sharing the gospel story simply starts with you just listening the best that you can mm-hmm. to those people, learning how they work, learning, you know, what they're interested in, learning the things that, that maybe are their pet peeves or things that they don't like, things that they don't respond well with. It's it's listening and learning your circle of influence so that when the time that God provides, when the time comes for you to present the gospel, man, you've learned so much about who those people are and what they respond to that you and you already have the gospel story in you. Like you should be able to share that at any moment. You know, we call it your elevator pitch. You get an elevator, the door shut before you get out that elevator, you should be able to explain the gospel to whoever you're riding with. Uh, now obviously that's very quick, but, um, you have that in you because you are a follower of Jesus. Therefore you have the gospel story in you. Uh, but when you take time to, you said the word intentional earlier in your relationships, when you are growing intentionally with others around you, you are learning how to best communicate the gospel to them. That's what disciple making is all about. It's not just learning someone so that when Christmas rolls around, you know how to get them the best gift. That comes along with it. But if you see yourself, if the perspective is disciple making, then your intentional relationship with the people around you, your circle of influence, is all intended to help them understand the gospel better because you're understanding them better. Jesus was about people. I mean, that's he spent his time on earth with people, um, but he didn't just use them as like little servants. Hey, go do this, go do that. Like he, he handpicked them, he knew his disciples, and then he knew the people around him. He was all about people. And Paul talks about all things to all people uh, in Scripture, and sometimes that can be confused, but I think really that means 
learning who people are so that you can best communicate the gospel to them. Uh, So just a challenge for you all out there listening, learn the people around you. Who's in your circle of influence? We'll use that term a lot, uh, but who is it? How much are you getting to know them and how well are you able to articulate the gospel to them? We'll catch you next time on the Refuge Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Refuge Podcast. We pray that these 15 to 20 minutes have equipped and encouraged you to be a disciple and make disciples right where you are. We release a new podcast every Monday, so be sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you like this podcast. That would help us. Also, to see a clear picture of what is going on with the Refuge Retreat, follow us on Instagram at the Refuge Retreat NC. Our mission is to unify a generation of college students to be disciple-making followers of Jesus, and hopefully over there, you'll see just that. Thanks for following along, and we'll see you next week.